G'day guys, welcome back to the No Name Podcast. Today's date is the, it's a Thursday, it's the 11th of June. Uh, the AFL footy actually came back on this weekend. Uh, and Collingwood and Richmond played tonight. Now I'm a, I'm a Collingwood man, as anyone will know if they've listened to the podcast. Um, so I thought I'd give you a bit of a rundown on the game. Uh, I can honestly say that I don't think I've seen a worse um I don't think I've seen a worse or, or more average sort of game over four quarters than that. There was plenty of fumbling, plenty of uh, incorrect disposals on, on both sides of the ledger, both by Collingwood um, and also by Richmond. I thought it was it was actually pretty pretty ordinary uh, for most of the game. I don't don't think that it'll it'll actually go down in the uh, in the history books as being one of the, the world's greatest games of football. That's for sure. I mean, when both sides end up on five six apiece, I mean. It's not great. Uh, I look at it from the point of view of Collingwood. Uh, unfortunately, uh, Collingwood kicked in the second half uh, two behinds. Uh, and in the second quarter, we kicked one goal, two. And uh, the first quarter, we kicked four goals, one. So Richmond kicked 0-1 in the first quarter, 3-1. Then it was uh, at halftime, so they kicked three sorry, goals in the second quarter. Then they kicked 2-2 two, two in the third quarter. Uh, they were down by two points and literally kicked two behinds, or four behinds in the last quarter to level up the game. Uh, I've never, I don't know, I just, I really don't think that a game like that uh, reflects uh, the normal games that we see. I think it's it's a very weird game. Even the players mentioned they haven't had a lot of training sessions together as an entire group. So, uh, recently, so the synergy obviously between forwards and backs and, and backs and mids. Uh, and just the whole team probably wasn't at the level that it wa- uh, that it normally is. Collingwood came out and started very quickly, very hard, uh, very fast in that first quarter, but just couldn't couldn't probably capitalise on a couple more opportunities that that, that the Pies had, uh, which sort of played Richmond back into the game. But yeah, I just I really think that it's one of those one of those games you just go away shaking your head, thinking what happened here. Uh, genuinely what happened. Um, I really, I, I genuinely cannot explain what happened in that football game other than then. it was very low scoring, it was very scrappy, and in the end, probably a draw is a, is a good result because I don't, uh, I think both sides will get two points out of it, but I almost reckon that both sides should just get zero points out of it because it was that sort of game um, that that kind of, it was just a, it was just a very, uh, very empty game. Uh, I thought for Collingwood tonight, I thought that Collingwood had a lot of passengers, um, and I think I think Richmond did as well. I, I couldn't sort of uh, couldn't put it any other way. I think there are a lot of players out there who probably just really struggled with the shortened games and just could not get into the game. Like there were guys like um, I think Josh Thomas had a couple of touches laid on, but he was very quiet. Jamie Elliott didn't do a lot. Um, Will Hoskin Elliott was another one that was very quiet for the Pies. Uh, Tyler Brown was sort of started in the middle, played on Dusty, and then he ended up playing at full forward. And, and look, to be honest, Tyler Brown's a, a sort of a ball, an inside uh, taller midfielder. He's not he's not a full forward, it's jockstrap. Um, so I uh, wasn't sure about why he would have been playing as a full forward and, and, and a leading target for us. I just think that's it's un, it's unrealistic on him uh, to expect that, and it's it's just not something that uh, that I think the club should be doing. 
Um, why are we playing a second game midfielder as a key marking forward? Uh, it's just, yeah, it, it beggars belief. I mean, that's another thing that shoots me about Collingwood is we, we tried to get Tom Lynch. Uh, we didn't get Tom Lynch. Um, and we didn't even try and get Jonathan Patton. He was sort of always going to Hawthorne. But Collingwood really lack uh, a key position forward. And it's and it's been evident, and it's been evident for most of my life that we probably just lack that uh, second or you know two really strong key forwards that'll win us games. And at the end of the day, forwards win your games, um, and they're the ones that win kick winning scores in grand finals. Um, a guy like Marty Majek, he's a he's a real player. Darcy Darcy Cameron, I thought he had a good game for his first game, but uh, you know they need help. They need another key forward down there, and I just think that having a a solid forward up there would really straighten things up. But I, I honestly think that Darcy Moore uh, should start playing forward. I think uh, I, th- I, ju- I just can't see any other way other than Darcy Moore going forward and playing at centre half forward like he should. That won't help. Uh, that that uh, I think that will help us tremendously. But until that day comes, uh, unfortunately, Collingwood is still going to be uh, still still going to be. Um, still going to be struggling uh, to kick winning scores and win proper, you know, big finals games and, and grand finals potentially. I just, yeah, I wasn't very happy. Um, I must say, even for Collingwood, I thought uh, we had a couple, uh, some other players that played really well. I thought Josh Dacos was pretty good. I thought Braden Maynard again showed why he really likes playing on like Daniel Rioli because Daniel Rioli did not touch the ball from what I saw and he was, he was basically non-existent in the game. But Maynard, um, had a lot of ball from half back and and was able to control the game for us down back. That's for sure. Uh, I thought that another player that played really well was uh, was Darcy Cameron. His first game, thought he had a really good crack. He basically saved the game for us, taking that mark from that Jack Rewalt goal. Uh, I just uh, I think they were probably the two players that I was I was pretty happy with, and, and Josh Dacos as well. I think Dacos. Um, he looks to be improving, sort of like Callum Brown did last year, just improving week on week. I thought he was he was terrific as well. Taylor Adams, uh, he, he tries his heart out every week. But, yeah, I think apart from that, I think guys like Pendle were in sidebottom. Yeah, they got a lot of possessions, but I think a lot of their possessions didn't really go anywhere. They weren't very meaningful. Uh, and I think those two have got to look at the start looking at their game uh, a bit more as well because it's not all just about getting cheap kicks and handballs behind your head and... Uh, Hospital handballs to your teammates. It's actually about what you do with it, especially with these shorter quarters, 16 minutes. Jeez, it was pretty short tonight. Another one I missed out, Jeremy Howe. He was awesome. Uh, he was Collingwood's best player tonight by an absolute country mile, uh, I think, uh, over the over the four quarters of the game. I thought for Richmond, uh, although Cochin was pretty good. I thought he, he tried his guts out. Uh, Pressy was good as well as... When those guys started getting on top of the midfield, uh, Richmond looked a better side. Uh, and then, yeah, apart from that, I thought Soldo. Soldo actually outplayed Grundy for most of the game. I was, I was pretty impressed by his game. Uh, I really really like the way he goes about it, bigger than Soldo. But, yeah, apart from – and obviously Tom Lynch up forward, he kicked three goals. He was he was very impressive in a game where, you know, there's 10 goals kicked. If one bloke kicks three goals, and I think that's the other thing I look at every time – there's a big game. Tom Lynch seems to, to really take it in his stride and uh, and and pull out the big guns and and basically uh, win games of football for Richmond. And I wish he was doing it for Collingwood, but unfortunately he's not. 
but yeah, oh, oh. I'm a bit tired. Sorry, everyone. Um, but yeah, I think there's, geez, there's a lot of, a lot of, there's a lot of things to look at in that game. I just thought that some of the decision making as well by Collingwood really, uh, really, really was lacking. Uh, for a lot of parts of that game, I just did not think that it was, it was very good. Uh, I just thought that some of our players like Grundy doing terrible stuff like instead of taking the ball out of bounds or handballing five metres along the ground to himself and going out of bounds decides to handball inside and Richmond then up kicking a goal uh that was that was not helpful um there were some other ones where he sort of uh gathered the ball away quite easily I'm very hard on these guys um especially guys like guys like Grundy I just wish that he would uh which is just do the basic stuff. Um, everyone talks about how great he is. I reckon he's the worst handball in the AFL. Uh, I'm not even joking. Like I've not seen an AFL footballer in the last ten years with a worse handballing technique than he he does. He basically gets the ball, and it's so easily telegraphable. You know, a five year old child could pick it. Uh, that's simply not good enough. That is just simply not good enough, especially at AFL level. I mean, it's not good enough at um, at amateur level or, you know, senior amateur level. And it's not good enough at probably most reserve grade AMOs. So I don't think, uh, don't think it's, don't think it's uh, suitable for him to be doing that. That's for sure. Uh, I'm sort of, uh, yeah, I just, I can't, can't put it any other way. I just thought that, um. The game probably deserved a draw, I'll be honest. Um, it was not a great game of football. Both, neither sides deserved to really win. Uh, I just thought it was I thought it was just a very average game of footy. And hopefully we see some better footy over the weekend. But uh, as I was saying to my mates that I was talking talking about the, uh, the game with tonight, I thought that we uh, we basically uh, had, a, had a good chat about the fact that we probably do a bit... We did a lot more socialising than, than watching the footy. It was not uh, It was not very good at all, so... Yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed that the footy actually starts getting a bit better. But whew, I doubt that'll uh, I doubt that'll happen uh, for for um, for for a lot a lot of the season. I just yeah, I really I really think it's going to take some time for players to get back into the swing of things. Um, I think for just having the pick the fixtures for next week. I think the Pies have got the Saints next Saturday at the MCG on Saturday afternoon. Uh, and next Thursday, the the Tigers, uh, Thursday night at the MCG, are also playing Hawthorne. So um, Hawthorne are playing Geelong tomorrow night. I think having a look at the, uh, having, having a look at the two sides, uh, Hawthorne have out O'Meara injured uh, from their side that smashed Brisbane in round one. And they've brought in Dimmer, Blake Dimmer-Hardwick into their side. Uh, and Geelong have got Buse, Parfit, and Stanley in uh, for Zach Guthrie, Darcy Fort, and Jordan Clark, all of whom have been omitted. Um, that's being played down at the Cattery down there at Skilled, oh, sorry, uh, GMHBA Stadium. Um, I thought that the, the Hawks were actually very impressive around one. I think that they've. I think they've got a lot of lot to offer. Um, I actually think the, I actually think the Hawks will make the eight this year. I just I reckon it's one of those years where Clarkson he, he, he's a defensive minded coach. The game's going to be very defensive. He gets his blokes up. Um, they play for him. He's a he's he's a, he genuinely plays on the edge. Oh, he, he coaches on the edge. Sorry, and his players play on the edge. So I I think that's what I I like about him um, and what he does. So I think that'll be the case. Um, interesting that Mitch Lewis again gets left out. For Hawthorne, he was one of their best 
key forwards at the start of last season. But I guess Tim O'Brien's taking his spot and Jonathan Patton's come in. So uh, he doesn't have much wriggle room down there um, in the forward line at Hawthorne. Um, but yeah, I think they've got a. I think the Hawks have got a really good chance to go out there. To, uh, to go out there, when is it uh, tomorrow night? And, and actually take it up to the Cats. Uh, I think the Cats would just be too strong down there at GMHBA. I think it suits them. Uh, it's Dangerfield's two fiftieth. I think the players will get up for that. Um, and I, I just I I think the, the Cats play that ground really well, and they'll probably have a good win uh, by a couple of goals, but. Don't be surprised. Oh, I'm not saying don't be surprised. I think I think you know. Don't be don't be uh, too too shocked that the Hawks really take it up to them because they're a good football side uh, and they're very well coached and drilled. So I'm sure they're do, they're doing all the right things. But yeah, uh, I'd love to hear your thoughts as well. Uh, anyone out there? What do you think on football? Um, is is it actually? Uh, I mean, is it actually? Is it actually? Um, you know, is it, is it better? Is it a shorter quarters better? I think, I think in round one we saw shorter quarters probably uh, led to disposals being valued a bit more highly by sides. Um, sadly, I think in this uh, in this game tonight we've seen that the the uh, the disposals from both sides were very very poor for for most parts of the game. Uh, hopefully, we'll see some better stuff over the weekend. I probably doubt we will, um, but yeah. I guess footy's back, and uh, yeah, footy's back. So, pretty sure everyone will enjoy that. But I'm not sure how many people will tune in tomorrow night after, especially neutral fans after they watch that tonight. <sighs> so yeah, um, all the best, guys. I uh, hope everyone has a good day. Today's um, today's date is actually the eleventh of June. So I'll try and find some on this day stuff that's happened uh, over the course of history. Uh, according um, yeah. on this day in 87 Margaret Thatcher uh, becomes the first British Prime Minister uh, in 160 years to win a third consecutive term it's, it's not a bad effort um, not a bad effort that's for sure um, and in this day in 2017 Sandra Vrinka uh, was beaten 6-2, 6-3, 6-1 by Rafael Nadal, who actually won his 10th French Open title. So, Rafa, the king of Roland Garros, the king of clay, he's an absolute freak. We love Rafael Nadal. Uh, he's an absolute gun. Uh, Joe Montana, the great Joey Montana, he celebrates his 64th birthday today. He's born on this day, 1956. Um, the same year Melbourne hosted the Olympics. So, happy birthday to him. He's an absolute star. Stuff with San Francisco 49ers back in the day, uh, Hall of Famer. He's won everything. He's probably considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Um, he was in the NFL's 100th anniversary season team, uh, just going through time in the annals, annals of history or the annals of history. Here, um, as I said, there's not a, there's not a great deal of sport that's played on. There's not a great deal of sport that's that's played on played on these days. Uh, in June, especially overseas, it's, it's a bit more uh, footy based, uh, you know, Australian sports based. Uh, on his day in 1978, Bjorn Borg, he won his third French Open title against Guillermo Villas, uh, the Argentinian, 6 1, 6 1, 6 3, uh, Roland Garros as well. Um, and on this day in 1979, he actually won his uh, another one as well, 
beyond Borg. He won uh, 6-3, 6-1, against Victor Pecky of Paraguay. So good on him. Uh, on this day, 1982, Larry Holmes wins the, uh, the World Heavyweight Cha- Fighting Championship. Uh, the belt uh, by beating Jerry Cooney in 13 rounds by a technical knockout. Uh, back in the day, they used to go to 15 rounds in, in boxing rather than the 12 that we're used to today. Um, and on this day, 1989, Michael Chang, the American, he wins his only Grand Slam title, beating Stefan Edberg 6-1-3-6-4-6-6-4-6-2 at 17, 100 years old, 110 days, becoming the youngest male to win a Grand Slam singles title ever. Uh, that record still stands today. So well done to Michael Chang, the American. He was an absolute uh, gun back in the day as well. And just have a look here. Uh, uh, the Seattle Mariners on this day, 1992. This uh, was approved to a Japanese group. Uh, and they ended up having Hiduki Matsui, who was a great uh, a great Japanese player. He played a lot uh, for the Mariners as well. Uh, back in the day, in in the Major League Baseball, uh, on this day in 2006, Rafael Nadal won his second French Open title against Roger Federer, beating one six six one six four seven six. And I guess those two had a, a massive rivalry on this day in 2012. Rafa beat Novak Djokovic six four six three two six seven five, and that was his third straight French Open as well. Uh, but yeah, that, that's all the stuff that's happened on this day, uh, sporting-wise. And in terms of in terms of history and what's happened, um, there's a little bit of stuff that's gone on on this day, uh, being the 11th of June. Over the course of history, as I said, uh, Thatcher won her third term, first prime, British Prime Minister to do it in 160 years. Uh, on this day, 1940, pretty big day. The Italians declare war on the Allies, and then they switch sides. Um, you know, I mean, the Italians during World War World War Two, they didn't know which side of the fence they sat on. Um, good on them for, I guess, picking the right side in the end. But uh, you know, still point the finger at them for picking the wrong side initially. Uh, that's for sure. On this day, in 63, the Greek government of Karamalis. Uh, resigns and I think the military sort of come in on that day. Sixty three to seventy four is a pretty, pretty grim time in Greece, especially considering that's the birthplace of democracy and and the government. Or well, I guess the government was overthrown in the day by the military. So, yeah, things things weren't uh, going well in Greece. Um, that's for sure. And then on this day, nineteen seventy five, the Greek constitution is adopted. Uh, Javed Meandad, Javed Jamad for Meandad, uh, 1975 makes his international one-day cricket debut at 17 years, 364 days, so just shy of his 18th birthday, uh, that's for sure. He's, he's a bloody young player, he's, he's a very good batsman too, even though he's a bit of a nutter, Javed Jamad for, for Meandad, as the uh, the 12th man used to say about him, which always, always makes always makes me laugh, that sort of stuff, Always, always uh, it's always an absolute pisser. Every time I hear that sort of stuff, it's just, yeah, 12th Man makes me laugh a lot. Um, E.T., the movie, is released on this day, 1982, uh, one of the all-time cult classic movies. Uh, I think everyone's seen that movie. If you haven't, go and watch it. It's a good movie. Also, we're stuck in this sort of ISO period. Uh, I would recommend to go and watch some movies and stuff. It's it's pretty good. Um it's for sure. Um, and 
Jeez. Um, yeah, on this day in 2009, the World Health Organization declares, declares swine flu to be a global pandemic, the first such incident in over 40 years. Um, well, that's ironic considering we are now living through the COVID-19 crisis. So, that's what's happened on this day um, over the course of history and in the world. Uh, and, yeah. That's uh, that. That's what ha- has happened. Um, Collingwood Richmond tonight was pretty rubbish, um, but that's what it is. And uh, move on tomorrow night's game, and uh, Richmond and Collingwood fans can move on to next week. So I hope everyone has a good night and uh, enjoy the No Name podcast.